Chapter Thirty Three of Molly's Prince. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Linda Marie Nielsen, Vancouver, B.C. Molly's Prince by Rosa Nuchette Carey. Chapter Thirty Three: A Quixotic Resolution thine were the weak slight hands that might have taken this strong soul and bent its stubborn substance to thy soft intent watson for the first time in his life thurgood's chater's conscience felt ill at ease and though his nature was by no means introspective or over-scrupulous he tormented himself and suffered keen twinges of remorse for what he called his unpardonable want of self-control thorogood's sense of honour was exceptionally high in spite of his cold reserved manner he was extremely sensitive the thought that he had been overmastered and carried away by passion even though it had been momentary humiliated and shocked him in some of his ideas thorogood was somewhat behind his generation and different from other men he held old-fashioned and somewhat obsolete views on the subject of love and his reverence for women savoured of the old days of chivalry in his hard-working life he had been brought little into contact with them he had no time for society an evening at the red house with his old friends althea and doreen was the only relaxation he had allowed himself but in spite of his self-repression thorogood chater was intensely human and like other men he yearned for the joys of wife and child man is not made to live alone he would say to himself drearily as he sat late at night by his solitary fireside and though no visionary the thought of some fair young face would haunt him persistently i wonder if i ever shall have a wife he would say to himself as he looked into the red glowing caverns before him i shall be hard to please i should like her to be a younger and prettier althea oh she is a noble creature althea she would have been a treasure to any man but i fancy i have always fancied that she gave her heart to everett ward well who knows what may happen when i have earned my fortune and then he smiled a little bitterly as he opened his books again thorogood's strong intense nature took nothing lightly if he loved it was with his whole heart and soul alas for him the small pale face and dark spiritual eyes of his little undine were now all the world to him from the first he had recognized her sweetness and intelligence how he had longed to hold her to his heart and comfort her with the assurance of his great love how his nerves had thrilled with passionate tenderness as he ministered to her 
as though she were a little helpless child and all the time his heart had with mute reverence worshipped her i must not think of myself or my own happiness he said to himself as he walked down the hill in the darkness that night my days have been always joyless and what does a little more pain matter it is of her i am thinking god forbid that i should cloud her bright young life with any of my cares or perplexity my little waveney i would suffer a hundredfold more willingly than see you bearing my burdens poor thoroughgood in his generous self-renunciation he was making a grievous mistake though he little guessed it for women's nature was terra incognita to him generosity and self-abnegation are not solely masculine virtues and there are women to whom any form of self-sacrifice for the sake of a beloved object is simply joy and happiness who care nothing for waiting and poverty if they can only lean on some strong arm and be at rest but thoroughgood was not wise enough to know this so he formed a singular resolution he would see vaguely again he would watch her closely ah he loved her so dearly that he felt he could almost read her thoughts if she received him with her old frankness of manner if there were no trace of consciousness in look or tone he would know that his impulsive speech had not reached her ear and he would content himself with being more guarded for the future but if as some subtle instinct told him there should be some undefinable change in her some new veil of shyness he would be certain that she had heard him too well and in this case it was his full intention to make her understand in some way the difficulty of his position it is impossible for me to marry for a great many years i am too heavily handicapped some such words as these he would say and then he would leave her but not until he had apologized to her with all the humility of which he was capable and when he had arrived at this quixotic resolution thoroughgood was more at peace they would not meet just yet for waveney was unable to leave her room for some days and spent most of her time as althea informed thoroughgood when he came in one evening in sleeping like a baby and she looks like one observed doreen who had just come down from the pansy room i was watching her just now before she woke up and i never saw such a baby face i think it must be her short curly hair that gives one the impression i wonder why it has never grown long molly ward has such lovely hair waveney told me once that it had never grown since some childish illness returned althea but that she did not mind it as it gave her so little trouble why thoroughgood you are never going as he rose from his chair what nonsense 
you must stay to dinner you have not dined with us for an age not this evening he returned hurriedly or i should have to sit up all night working i am glad to hear that miss ward is better he continued rather formally but she seems very weak still i suppose you have had dr hilton oh no it was not necessary returned althea waveney is not really ill she is only worn out body and mind a few days rest and feeding up and plenty of nurse mark's cosseting will soon put her to rights and now her mind is at rest about molly she will soon be her cheerful little self again i hope so was thoroughgood's sole answer and then seeing that he was in one of his grave silent moods althea did not press him to stay only accompanied him to the door and bade him a friendly good night poor old thoroughgood he does not look quite happy observed doreen as her sister re-entered the room i wonder if he has anything on his mind and although althea made no reply to this the same thought had crossed her mind more than once when waveney heard that thoroughgood had called to inquire after her the previous evening she merely observed that it was very kind but an hour or two later she insisted on dressing herself and making an attempt to go downstairs althea remonstrated at first but waveney was so bent on trying her strength that she thought it wiser to let her have her way and actually forbore to triumph when waveney with rather a piteous face subsided weakly on the couch perhaps i had better wait until to-morrow she panted dressing has tired me so and then as althea brought her another pillow and covered her up snugly she continued in a weak voice jestingly i feel as though i had the corporal's wooden legs instead of my own they do move so stiffly but then wooden legs don't ache never mind anything is better than the heartache and to this althea cordially agreed everett ward paid them another visit while waveney was still in her room when he came again he found her cosily established in the library and though looking still rather weak and pale in excellent spirits for every day the good news was verified and molly made slow but steady progress to recovery only once had there been a return of anxiety for one long half-hour molly's weakness was so great that nurse helena feared sudden collapse everett did not tell waveney this but he kept her well acquainted with every little detail of the sick room what nourishment molly took and how many hours she slept and even a speech or two repeated by her nurses once she sent her dear love to waveney and another time she asked if mr ingram ever came to the house and had looked both pleased and surprised when she heard he had been daily twice or three times a day would have been no exaggeration of the truth but nurse helena wisely kept this to herself 
for of all things she dreaded any agitation or excitement for her patient when waveney grew stronger she drove daily with one or the other of the sisters and when the february sunshine tempted her she took short strolls over the common with fuss and fury one sunday afternoon when althea and doreen were occupied as usual waveney put on her hat and went out there had been rain the previous night and the garden paths were damp at luncheon althea had recommended her to take a little walk in the direction of the golf links as it would be higher and drier there do not go too far and tire yourself had been her parting words remember thursday as though waveney could have forgotten it for a moment for that day she was to see her dear molly again it was a lovely afternoon the air was soft and balmy and full of the promise of spring and thrushes and blackbirds were singing for joy because the dark wintry days were over waveney could have sung with them out of very gratitude and happiness oh how sweet life was after all molly was getting well and but here waveney flushed and walked on more rapidly for there were certain thoughts that made her heart beat too quickly i'm very faithless she was saying to herself as she came in sight of her favorite seat it was a little hollow and in the summer the larches and willows made a pleasant shade there was a pond near where children loved to sail their little boats or throw sticks in the water for some excited dog in her letters to molly she had called it her green parlor she would have rested there for a few minutes but she saw it was occupied by a gentleman so she walked on slowly the next moment however she heard her name pronounced and thoroughgood traitor stood beside her you are tired you wanted to sit down he said abruptly as they shook hands please come back and rest a moment it is so warm and sheltered in the hollow i was not really tired returned waveney nervously but she avoided looking at him as she spoke it is rather a favorite seat of mine and the view is so pretty yes i was admiring it just now replied thoroughgood but you will sit down for five minutes will you not then waveney shy and confused accompanied him a little reluctantly across the grass but as thoroughgood walked silently beside her under his quiet manner there raged a perfect tempest of conflicting feelings his sudden and unexpected appearance had taken waveney by surprise and her startled blush and confusion betrayed her agitation at the meeting her new timidity the faltering of her voice and her avoidance of his eyes all told the same tale to thoroughgood she had understood and she was not indifferent to him a spasm of joy shot through thoroughgood's heart at this thought then he remembered his resolution and crushed down his rising happiness i must think of her and not of myself he said to himself as he took the seat beside her 
i'm glad to see you are so much better he began after a long pause that neither knew how to break but you are not quite strong yet your step has lost its old spring then he interrupted himself as though he feared to say too much but all that will pass yes it will pass she returned trying to speak naturally and looking at him for the first time the soft brilliancy of her eyes almost dazzled thorogood he nearly forgot his resolution as he looked into their brown depths do you know mr chater that on thursday i am actually to see my molly i am counting the hours and so is she and that makes you very happy he asked in a low voice oh yes so grateful and happy father has seen her of course and he says i must be prepared to find her very weak is it not a pity she has lost her lovely color but nurse helena says it will come back she seems such a kind woman when i send little notes to molly she answers them so nicely and gives all molly's messages waveney had forgotten her nervousness in this engrossing topic but thoroughgood's answer was a little vague and you will never be faithless again no she returned flushing at this i will try to be more trustful in future and then more kindly mr chater you were so good to me that miserable evening i have so often wished to thank you and tell you that i am not unmindful of your great kindness then he checked her miss ward you owe me no gratitude any one would have done what i did it is your forgiveness i ought to ask for i am afraid that my sympathy and pity i forgot myself he said this with such difficulty and in such a constrained tone that waveney looked at him in astonishment then as she saw his expression her head dropped a little i do not know what you mean she said under her breath i cannot explain it myself he returned hurriedly would to heaven that i could but i think from your manner that you do not misunderstand me miss ward there is something i want to tell you about myself if you will pardon my egotism we are good friends i trust and if possible i want you to think well of me waveney listened silently to this but she bit her lip to conceal a smile was it likely that she of all persons would think ill of him i am unfortunately placed he continued all my life circumstances have been too strong for me other men can please themselves but i have never been free to choose my own path duties and responsibilities have crowded on me from mere boyhood fresh ones have come to me within the last few months then waveney understood that he was speaking of his brother and little bet and her attention became almost painful i can see no end of it all he went on and there was despair in his voice it must be years perhaps many years before i can think of marrying 
I ought to have remembered this. I ought not to have forgotten myself. Then he rose abruptly, and his face was very pale. Miss Ward, you have been very good to listen to me so patiently, but I must not keep you here any longer. It will not be safe for you. He was standing before her as he spoke, but for a moment she made no reply, only sat with bent head and her hands folded tightly together in her lap. But as he stooped and put out his hand as though to help her rise, she suddenly looked up in his face. Thank you, she said quite simply. You need not fear that I should ever misunderstand one so good and kind. And then she flushed up and rose quickly from the bench. It is too late to go on now, and Miss Hartford will be expecting me. Please do not come any farther. There is no need to spoil your walk. Give my love to your sister and little Bet. Dear little Bet. Are you sure? Do you not wish me to accompany you? He stammered. But she shook her head with a semblance of gaiety. Oh, no, I shall be at the Red House in five minutes. Goodbye, goodbye. Waveney was in such a desperate hurry that she forgot to shake hands. She almost ran down the little path between the firs bushes. The thrushes and blackbirds had ceased their songs, and the sunshine had faded from the landscape. But in Waveney's heart there was a strange new joy. He loves me, he loves me, she was saying to herself, though he will not tell me so for a long time. Oh, how good he is! How patient and self-sacrificing! And then her eyes were dim as she remembered the suppressed pain in his voice. I have never been free to choose my own path. Was that not true, absolutely true? And could any man have done his duty more nobly? And yet this hero, this king among men, actually loved her. And now Waveney's eyes were full of tears. End of chapter 33 Recording by Linda Marie Nielsen, Vancouver, B.C.